What's up guys, this is Corey Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. The Ameribraid Variable Speed 2x72 is just that. All heavy duty parts and framing with well thought out accessories that are easy to use and not bogged down with lots of tiny parts. By far the best accessory item that Ameribraid sells is their surface grinding attachment. It is absolutely foolproof and the best in the industry. With quick release magnet system, there is no prying your workpiece off the platen. Very fast to slap a billet or a knife onto the table, engage magnets, and start surfacing with precise increments. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to Ameribraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. All right, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast. What's up, everybody? We're back again. It's me, your host, Ryan of Ryan Chadbourne Knifeworks. I'm here with Noah Bloomberg. <laughs> and of course, the oh. <laughs> oh, no, I won't get it. No, man. <laughs> you call it. And Dave Baker. And Dave Baker. The Dave Baker. <laughs> yeah, or, or a Dave Baker. I, there's, there seems to be a lot of us out there. Yeah. So, how's it going, guys? What's going on? Going good for me. I, I, it's good to be home. Uh, yeah, you uh, just got back from filming, didn't you? We just finished um, about a, a month and a half ago. We finished uh, season ten of Fortune Fire, um, wow. which was a hoot because we had a lot of different things going on this season. They, they, they we changed up some format stuff, and we did some some fun things. We got out of the out of the the forge, our our, our home studio. Went out on the road for a few shows, so it, it was oh, it was cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool season. Interesting. So uh, I, I want to ask questions, but I'm not sure how much you can actually talk about that. But uh, I'll share I'll share as much as I can. Cool. So are you guys going to be doing like some outdoor foraging this uh, this season? Um, no, we actually uh, well, the, the first I guess four. It's either maybe it's. The first two or three shows, we are actually in the field. Each one of us, uh, each one of us judges, went to a different forge, and um, there was, we had a competition at that forge. And then the winner of that competition then came back to uh, the our, our, our studio forge and competed. So those four four competitors from those four different competitions came back to our studio uh, and competed. So it's. It's a fun, it's a fun tournament uh, layout. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I mean, we went all over the place. I was in Montana, and the weather was like two and a half feet of snow on the ground. <laughs> I was doing the test of a broken finger. It was hilarious. Oh, geez. That's yeah, awesome. we, went, we went bowling, and I managed to break a finger. I mean. Oh, no, you got to come up with a better story than that. I know. I, I wish. I wish. You know, it's like, it's like someone was talking, I've got a big chunk out of my ear right here, and I got hit in the head with a board. Someone was saying, was someone holding on to the other end of it? And I said, luckily not this time. But yeah, no. So yeah. anyway, yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be a fun format. I think people are going to enjoy it a lot. Very cool. So uh, just in case any uh, listeners don't know what we're talking about, Dave's actually the the one of the judges on a show called Forged and Fire. You may have seen it. It's on 
It's on TV. History um, Channel. History Channel. I was going to say yeah. Discovery because I'm a moron, but yeah. Uh, well, no, no we, we've been on Discovery Plus. We've been on Netflix. We've been on Hulu. We've been on... So a, a lot of different streaming systems have bought past uh, seasons. Right. So yeah, I even saw it on Netflix Disney Plus not too long ago, yeah, it, too. Exactly. So a lot of people think we're on different networks, but we're on History Channel. We come back on uh, October 4th, uh, Wednesday night, and at 9 o'clock Eastern. Very That's cool. Hmm. And you can find back episodes on, on the history uh, website. So, oh, really? I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I've I always kind of want... Oh, go ahead, Ryan. I, I've always wondered what the work schedule is like on the set of a show like that. Like, um, is... it, can, it can be grueling. It depends on, on what we're doing. If we're in a standard show format, um, basically the, the Smiths will come in and on the first day, I mean, remember, because there's all these interview things and walkthroughs and everything else. So there's so much downtime um, where you're kind of just waiting for things to happen. But the Smiths will forge on the first day, then do the handle round on the second day. And then we'll do the competition, the first round competition after that, uh, once everything's finished. And then, then they go off to their home forge and then come back for a day of competition. So it's it's a grueling i mean it, it's not easy no it, it takes time for them and we usually do somewhere between a you know a eight to ten hour day yeah it was yeah. uh it was it was it was eye-opening for me one one because I, I use i've probably watched just about every episode mm-hmm. um no never mind not just about i have watched every episode um but when i realized that going into the second round all the competitors have clean shirts and that's when I realized that it was that it was that it was on a second day that it wasn't all just like back to back like that. Yeah, speed forging when there are four forges burning, and, uh, and and especially when we're filming in the summer, you get a little you get a little ripe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm sure of that. Um, I mean, I've had the opportunity to compete on the floor. I've done um, I did a couple of the uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, beat the uh, judges competitions, yeah. and then then we we again we're doing them this season. We did some beat the judges competitions. Oh, so cool. um, yeah, and then that's an eight hour format. So you're forging for eight hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, in the studio, it you know, it's brutal. And, and I've heard just think, oh, you just making a knife in three hours. It's not. You've got you've got producers talking to you. You've got camera people running around you. Um, you know, you, you've got to be walked to the bathroom. You can't be left alone at any time. Um, there, there are so many things going on that throw people off their game just beyond the idea of you're trying to make the best knife you can in, in a five hour period. Right. And so that's, that's trying a, to keep people from cheating, mental, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're what's considered a, a money game show or a money competition show. Mm-hmm. So we actually have to follow federal guidelines. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, you know, go to jail guidelines. So <laughs> we've got legal department. When when questions come up, they're handled by a legal department when, you know, and uh, and those people give the answers. You know, so. I see. So okay. So that's, a, that's why people are followed around. Yeah. Well, in fairness, you know, it's one of those things. It's like you, you want this stuff to be fair. I mean, a lot, you know, the, our judging comes from our opinions, our attitudes, and our use of the weapon mm-hmm. but oftentimes it's just well you know you just you this sword took more damage but we've had people 
where the 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 competition between the swords was not just that one took damage, that the one that took damage was a useful weapon, whereas the right. one that didn't take any damage was a useless weapon, as in it weighed, you know, it was weighed more than you could possibly swing and, and hope to survive in a fight uh, or anything like that. So there are a lot of factors that go into the, the judging of things. But uh, Oh, for sure. I'm sure. Sticking to the rules and sticking to all that stuff, man, that's that's – we do that hardcore. I imagine the judging side must be fairly, uh, I don't know. I, I think I would think it'd be kind of stressful because you're, you know, you're kind of gauging people's futures, you know, at some time and you kind of have to put that out of your head and just focus um, on what's in front of you. Yeah. Uh, I think the, well, there are a lot of aspects to it. I mean, uh, I think the worst thing that happens is when you take somebody's work and you break it. Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that just feels terrible. And you want to test these things. You want them to go through testing. Even worse, I think, is when um, when we're not allowed to test something because somebody doesn't uh, follow the parameters. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that might be the worst. Um, you, know, you, 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 you don't want to tell a guy, look, um, you know, we wanted you to make, you make, this is what you need to make. And then they give them all the rules and then they come back and they go, ha, (laughs) dude, this, right. Yeah. And they, sometimes we've had Smith, we've had Smiths who just don't see why there's a difference. You know, what difference does an eighth of an inch make? Well, in any other competition sport, an eighth of an inch is, is winning or losing in a long jump or shot put or anything else. If the rule says, it needs to be X inches long or in between. I mean, we give them a two inch range, so come on. But yeah. it needs to be between this and this, and it's not between those things. And the other guy is, well, it doesn't really matter how bad the other guy's thing is. Right. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. You, you, well, you'd think it was simple, but, <laughs> <laughs> but some people don't see it that way. You know, it's like, this blade has to have a curve of so much and, and they come back with something straight and you're like, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting thing. I mean, it's uh, going down a rabbit hole. Sorry, but, um, Oh, we love rabbit holes. Okay. Well, there's something that there, there's a visual perception things that, that happens with a lot of people where literally, as I was saying before, you, you, you show them this and you say, make that. And they come back with something different and they go, ta-da. No, they, and you hold them right next to each other, and you go, "No, this is what we want." And they said, "Yeah." And so you, you kind of—it's kind of that—that that your brain is telling you what it wants to see, as opposed mm. to what what is. And and watching that happen is sometimes hard to explain to somebody. Is that uh, confirmation the, bias? I think is what that's called. Yeah, well, yeah, on a certain level, yeah. But I, I, I look at it as a, as a visual perception thing in that um, I've seen it happen a lot where, you know, visual artists, you know, paint a picture of this person. Person's mm. got brown hair, blue eyes, is six feet tall, and they paint someone who's four, six, blonde, and has green eyes. And you're like, what are you looking at? <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's literally a, a thing. It's a, a it's it's the way they're perceiving what they're looking at. It's it's different, right? 
and it's incredible how many different uh different perceptions different people have and it's oh yeah yeah it's well i mean it's it's the eyewitness thing you know you got six eyewitnesses Mm -hmm. they were all there they all saw what happened but each one of them was at a different angle and they each saw something different yeah so we we, sometimes we get that with smiths it's it's fascinating i mean it's you know sometimes it's mind-boggling but it's fascinating i mean don't get me wrong. All these guys, everybody who's come on the show has, okay, almost everybody who's come on the show has, just, <laughs> has really put it out there. And, and you know, they, they put reputation and everything else on the line to come and oh, compete. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I can't be prouder of all of them. They, they, you know, it takes a lot of guts to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And some people, obviously, some people do it because they just want to be on TV. Um, but the, the, the bladesmiths who come on who are, you know, bladesmiths, either hobby smiths or professional smiths or, or smiths who are looking to become professionals who come on and, and lay it all on the line um, and do their, the best work they can in that amount of time. Uh, you know, just it's, it's an honor to work with these people. It's an honor to meet them. It's really sure. cool. Yeah. The range of so, names that have run through the show, too, over the years is pretty pretty substantial yeah yeah and guys who are hobby smiths before they went on the show and after the show aired they turned pro yep a lot of a lot because of the notoriety of being on the show or the fact that they decided that hey i can do this for real and and they they took the risk and it is a risk i mean going into business for yourself is always a risk and Mm -hmm. and certainly the, the the knife making world is is uh it's like it's it's an art form it's you know it's like you know I'm going to go be a painter. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not like it's a necessary uh, necessary industry that's, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're selling things that people want, not necessarily things that people need. Exactly. They're, 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 they're luxury commodities at, at a certain level. Yep. Um, and, and to see people uh, get into it and go that far with it is, is, um, is neat. And, and the, the fact that the show has inspired so many people to get involved um i think it's something that all of us involved in the show are really proud of well that's fantastic because i wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it wasn't for the show because that was oh, fine yeah no that's, I, that's absolutely the uh <laughs> what no i think you misunderstand i wouldn't be a i wouldn't be a bladesmith <laughs> if it wasn't for force and fire is what i meant oh, really to say. really seriously you got involved because of the show Yes, yes, that was that was the inspiration back in back in 2020. Was I had you know two months off and I binge watched. Uh, I can't remember how many seasons of Forge and Fire, and finally just got to the point where I went down to my shop and made a forge, and that's that's oh, what that's got cool. me into it. Yeah, see, I love hearing stuff like that. I remember our, our second season, maybe it was our third season. We were in Brooklyn filming still. And I was standing out, still smoking back then, so I'm standing out on the sidewalk outside the studio smoking this guy walks up and he goes hey i just wanted to shake your hand uh i, I just <laughs> he lights up i love it uh-huh i know uh, it, was, it was hilarious uh, this, this this fella is is telling me he goes you know i just want to tell you that i i really love the show my daughter has asked for a, a uh an anvil for christmas i oh, said cool. that's cool how old is your daughter because she's six <laughs> <laughs> i would cool. say you don't have to get her a big one. <laughs> I'd say probably 40% go. of our guests, because we ask everybody, how did you get started? 
and I'd say probably 40% say, have you ever seen that show forged in fire? Uh, that's, and the cool thing is, is, is being part of that uh, show is fantastic. The guys I work with are amazing. And our crew is, uh, these guys are freaking brilliant. Our, I mean, think of, think of a crew of cameramen who don't make knives, who have seen more knives made than most Smiths have made. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've run almost a thousand Smiths through. That's crazy. Almost a thousand Smiths, like two hundred seventy something. You should bring in a substitute camera crew someday and make the camera guys compete. No, we keep pitching oh. it, and they, they just—they won't let us do it. Oh. We, we, we have been pitching this for years. Nice. And I mean, as a crew, I mean, we—you know—we started out. Some of our guys were super young. It, 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 we've been together for eight years. Yeah, I mean, the, our, a lot of our crew guys have been with us the entire time. Wow. So we've watched them, I mean, I, you know, as the old man. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm the freaking old man on the show. So as the old guy, I've watched these guys get married, have children. I mean, eight years. I've This is the longest job I've ever had in my life. <laughs> wow. I mean, can, cool. I mean I've, I've been, you know, I had my own company for a lot of years. But as far as working for somebody, this is definitely the longest thing I've ever done. So. But yeah, it's really neat. It's neat watching them grow up, and it's neat, you know, having to be having been able to work with the my fellow judges. They're all really, really good guys. So, absolutely, yeah, we met them at Blade, and uh, they were all pleasure to talk to. And yeah. uh, I've always always been a fan of those guys. So, we will talk about other things, I promise. But I just have a couple couple more questions about the show. Okay, wait, no, no. So, tempering on the show. For the, yeah. the the main show, that happens off camera. How does yeah. that how do you guys go about that? Does each Smith temper how they see fit or no, we 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 supply the metal for them, so we go straight by the um the 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 recipe for the metal. Okay. If they're working in 1095 or canister using 1095, primarily 10, 10, 1095 powder, we're going to we're going to temper that two cycles around four hundred or whatever. So we're gonna follow the recipe that literally is set for the metal okay and that's how we do handle the tempering um when we do the um beat the judges episodes or or the the what was the the um, beat ben abbott stuff mm-hmm. they the the tempering ovens are there on the floor and it's up to the smiths to set them however they want Right, yeah, I remember that. I was just curious yeah. about the, that main show where it's it's never shown, so I wasn't right. sure exactly well, how that happened. Yeah, it's really because it's freaking boring. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically the they finished that they finished that blade round. Oh man, Kenny, I'm coming. I'll I'll be there. Sorry guys, hold on. Here. Hold on. No, I'm just gonna hold on. <laughs> hey Kenny, I'm I'm online right now. I'll be I'll be over as soon as I'm done. Okay, these guys are cracking up because I'm literally doing a podcast. These two guys are looking at me like I feel like I'm out of my mouth. <laughs> Kenny's one of my best buddies down here in, in uh, Virginia, and uh, he's uh, having a company party this evening, which is a shrimp boil. So Ooh. you don't want to miss it. I know. No. Yeah, you go, Ooh, I'm the same way. <laughs> Sounds good. But so anyway, yeah. It's, so the the tempering is something that that again it's done off stage. Um, it's done in between the two rounds, the, 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 the blade round and the handle round. 
Mm-hmm. Um, when we're doing a, a, a five hour straight stretch, it'll be done at lunch. Um, okay. So, you know, without breaking the fourth wall too much, it, it's a matter of there's just no way to make it sexy. I mean, we, we've got. <laughs> it's I mean, a set it and forget we, it type. type well, well, yeah, and, and it's, yeah. we've got 42 minutes to tell a story. Right. You know, you figure our, our program runs 42 to 44 minutes. Um, and, and that's all the time we've got to tell a story. And, and oftentimes you're looking uh, when we're doing a, a, a four man, the, the, the typical show four Smiths, um, the, the whole thing, you're talking about 250 hours of footage. Jeez. When you put all the cameras, all the interviews, all the home forge stuff together, it's like 250 hours of footage gets boiled down to 42 minutes. I mean, our editors are freaking brilliant. Oh yeah, uh, and, and they're they're great storytellers because there's so much you don't get to see. There's so much that happens that just doesn't make it the cut, um, and and it's not for any other reason than this storyline was the interesting one, you know. Sure. And sometimes that storyline is you'll see some of our episodes where that that first round or the first two rounds eat up more time than the the last round does. Mm-hmm. And it runs that way because something really interesting happened. And some of those are really personal stories. And I mean, we've had like, you know, the, the fellow who went, went home, he didn't finish on time because he actually gave 15 minutes of his time helping another guy out. Standing on the vice, helping him twist. Yeah. The, uh, twist the mask yeah. yeah. And that's a story you want to tell because those are the people, I mean, there's so many people in this industry that, that uh, in the knife making or sword making community who will do that. Yes. You know, who will, who will help out, who will share their information or, or whatever uh, to make something happen. And, and that's the kind of thing that, that we love to promote. So Absolutely. touching on that point, the knife making community is the yeah. most like close knit open community of artists. Uh, I have two brothers that are tattoo artists <laughs> and the tattoo industry is not like that. Um, well, I know, I, I know I painters that, say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that in, in the vast majority, I think you're a hundred percent right. Um, I've also met the, there's, um, I think it's the same thing with any, any business there, there are those who want to, um, kind of hold on to their niche, their, their, you know, small market or whatever it is and not let anybody else in. Um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, I find less and less of that, but you know, it does happen. I mean, sure. it's one of the reasons I'm a, a, a chronic serial non-joiner. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of different groups out there and I think that's great. And I think that they, they, you know, fill a niche for a lot of people and a lot of educational stuff and everything else. That's super. But, you know, people ask me, well, why aren't you a part of this? Why aren't you a part of that? Why aren't you a part of this? It's because they have rules, and I get really weird when I get rules. Around. There's a reason I work by myself. <laughs> There's a reason I'm on 23 acres out in the middle of nowhere in a shop that, you know, I allow people in sometimes. Um, I feel you. Speaking Ryan's song. <laughs> well, yeah. no, I'm, I'm happy to share any and all of any of the information I do. I do, you know, little videos and stuff sharing what I'm doing and, and how I'm doing yeah. it and technique and stuff like that. Because, I mean, it's it's not a secret. I mean, you yeah. know, these, these, they're just things that I've either I figured out or somebody taught me. 
yeah. you know, the, the, the handle craft that I do was taught to me by a guy named Dennis Graves. And Denny was the greatest handle maker. I, I, you know, I called him up one day. I'd never met him. I just called him one day out of the blue and said, look, man, how do you make these things? And for the next hour and a half or two hours, I was on the phone with him while he's describing things. And two late, two, you know, weeks later, a, a pamphlet shows up handwritten and hand drawn of how he did stuff. Wow. Just because he liked the swords I was making. And, you know, and said, oh, I really like your swords. I said, well, half of them have your handles on them because the swords I'm making for these guys, they're mounting with your handles. You know, it just was one of those things. And that kind of collaboration and that kind of thing I really, really promote. And, and I hope that, that most people do. I mean, it, it, sometimes it goes sideways, but, you know. I just don't like being told what to do. Uh, you know, I, I don't like being told what to do. And it's it's more like a... When to do a yeah, there's no one way to do anything. There's no correct, one singular right. correct way to make anything. Absolutism is a thing that drives me crazy. Yeah. You know, well, they yeah. were always this way. Well, except that one. Well, then they <laughs> weren't always that way, were they? <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, the, the Iron Age starts here and ends here. No, it doesn't. You know, it's, it's, here's the examples that break the mold. It's like, you know, there's, a, a, there's always something that breaks the mold. And it's fun to find those things. And it's fun to go, like I said, go down those rabbit holes. That's why history is so much a part of what I do. Is people would, I mean, I'm very contrary. I, I've been told I'm unsufferable, actually. But um, <laughs> sometimes I get in arguments and, and it's hard to, to break my thing. But uh, the idea that there are so many... Um, creators, smiths, makers, and so on that came before us and did things in such a wild and vast array that someone goes, oh, this is my design of a knife. And you're like, well, not really, because those were made back in you know, 400 years ago. Those are being made over here. Well, no, 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 because mine has this. And I, Yeah, but here's here's the thing, and yours looks just like me. Well, yeah, but, okay, no, I'm, I'm fine with you calling it yours. That's cool. You reinvented it. You rediscovered it. You you know reintroduced it. That's great. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. new under the sun. Very few things, especially with with weapons. I mean, humans have been trying to kill one another since we picked up sticks. Yeah. Um, you know, and and somebody figured out that if you sharpen the stick, you could poke a hole in somebody, and they they leaked. Well, that was cool. <laughs> you put a sharp stick on it, they leak more. You know, there's, there's, uh, you know, it's, it's, ah, gosh, it's horrendously unfortunate that so much amazing art and technology has been built around trying to off one another. Mm. But mm. at the same time, it's, it's historically really cool, and it's a amazing thing to study. And there's, there's, there are wonderful there are stories and histories and. And tales of, of, you know, right now I'm, I'm down a pirate rabbit hole right now. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, and but, not even weaponry either. I mean, uh, some of the biggest technical gains we've ever made and medical gains oh, we've ever made were oh, yeah, because yeah. of war. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you blow people up. You got to figure out how to fix them. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oftentimes so you can send them back out, which is tragic. But, but you know, it's, it's for me, I find, I tend to find a, a, a place in history that I find interesting. And then I start doing research on that and I go down those rabbit holes or find a weapon that I really find fascinating for whatever reason, it could be completely aesthetic. Um, 
or the fact that I got to handle one on a vacation, you know, when I looked at a collection or something. And then I'm like, okay, why? Why is this weapon this way? Why why was this weapon popular for so long? What influenced this weapon? What what histories uh, you know were involved in this weapon? And now you can, you know, now you're spending a year studying the 30 years war or, or you know the wars of religion in, in Europe or or like I said right now I, I live on the Chesapeake Bay now and I found a book on piracy in the Chesapeake Bay. I, I had no idea that it was as lively here in the Chesapeake Bay as it ever was in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and that the literally the rivers that I the little river that's behind my place here that I live on, these were these are where they hung out. You know, yes. from, from here to the Carolinas, Georgia, all the way down Florida, down into the Keys and, and in the Caribbean. Uh, I mean, just a hotbed of of, uh, of crazy piracy. Yeah. Next thing you know, so, you'll be metal detecting. Once you get into oh, the God. metal detecting. Oh, oh man. It's, it, yeah, it's right. <laughs> that, I call that, that ship has sailed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, you turned it on. Yeah, this is metal yeah, detector going on. Metal dust. <laughs> oh what? my god! Now I. Oh Jesus! Stop! I don't even know how to turn it off. <laughs> this is a great episode. Lord, this is uh, awesome. Right. Ryan, let's uh, let's hear from one of our sponsors real quick, and then uh, I want to keep diving into this this history. Like right. that, I'm gonna turn this. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do uh, I'm gonna do both sponsors back to back, and then that okay. we'll just get them out of the way and go for it. Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, eh? Hustle & Grind Podcast is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives, your one-stop abrasive shop. When you go to phoenixabrasives.com, click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-grit ceramic belts, along with the Trizact gator belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order. Thanks, Luke. There we go. Just a couple quick notes on our sponsors. Um, I've recently gotten the chance to use that uh, Nordic Edge Big Mert file guide that I got from Lawrence uh, a few weeks ago. And I got to say, I was going to get one of the smaller ones, but the Big Mert just has these giant faces on it. And especially for doing the integrals, I got a batch of integrals that I'm doing right now, and it is so much easier. I really love how fat that is. So if you guys are on uh, Lawrence's website, Maritime Knife Supply, check out those giant file guides. really gives you a lot to grab onto when you're grinding bevels, too. I do really like it. Um, And as far as Phoenix Abrasives goes, I have been using the crap out of some of those via uh, the VSM Red Ferrari belts this week, and they have been lasting. I don't. 
I don't know why, but they seem to be lasting longer than they used to. At least in my case, I don't know. I've been I've grinding like crazy with those things, and started using a push stick because I'm grinding preheat treat because uh, I forged some things a little bit thick. But uh, yeah, those VSM Red Ferrari belts are awesome. Go check those out. Use the discount code. Save yourself some money. Yeah, yeah. Hustle ten for ten percent off. Yeah, but also you can go to liquidiv.com if you're feeling dehydrated and need some quick hydration and use the promo code hustle10 for 20% off at liquidiv.com. Very true. I, I I was hoping that mine would get here before the weekend, but it didn't. I ordered it too late. So, um I got some more of that on the just just as a quick note, we have some amazing listeners out there and I appreciate you guys posting reels and stuff, but I have no idea what a seaberry is, okay? I'm sorry. I don't know I don't know what it is. I've never heard of a seaberry before, but it tastes good. So, <laughs> I don't even Dave, know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I, I was like, Dave looks really confused right now. So okay, so one of the, so my favorite flavor of liquid I do you know what liquid IV is? No idea. Okay, so it's these little drink packets and oh. it's electrolytes. So you put uh, it in your water, you shake it up, and it hydrates you twice as good as just regular water. Well, my favorite flavor is called sea berry. And so I encouraged our listeners to check out that flavor and then I you know get people. So you don't think me, it's like a C slash berry for cranberry? It, it's spelled S-E-A. Oh, S-E-A. Huh. So I have no idea what, what, what that is, but it's delicious. So it is what it is, I guess. Huh. I'll take your word yeah. for it. Okay. <laughs> I want to know what it is. <laughs> Whatever they're pulling out of the sea and juicing, I, I'm not sure. that. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to ask a little bit about, so before Forged in Fire, you're, you're listed on the forge and fire, you know, when it, when your name pops up as a historical weapons expert, historical one... weapons recreation expert. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So well, here's the thing. Uh, my, what, what I did before forge and fire, I mean, I've been on and off in the uh, entertainment community community for, um, since 1980, I got my SAG card in 1980, 81, um, as an actor. So I started out in, in the world of acting um, and made a living at it for most of the, the early 80s or the, the middle of the 80s. And eventually it just got, it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I mean, I, I, I'd studied and, and the whole thing, but the, the grind of it was just not something that I enjoyed. Um, during that time, I studied a lot of theatrical combat. And uh, in the early 90s, um, the, the treatises for the European uh, martial arts started being trans translated and come out, you know, the internet was starting to happen and uh, that's how old I am guys. So uh, I know dial rotary phones, man. I can still use one. I remember uh, rotary phones. Don't feel bad. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, I might still have one, but um, on my cell phone. Um, so <laughs> sorry. So, uh, I was teaching actors how to um, fight, sword fight. I had a oh. class in, in Burbank at a, at a studio there. And uh, while that was happening, I was also doing a lot of other things. But um, basically, I, I didn't have the money. Didn't have the money. Well, <laughs> that's a big part. I didn't have the money. But uh, the other part was there weren't a lot of suppliers out there of 
historical weapons that you could fight with. Mm. Um, there was like the uh, museum replicas catalog. Um, but, you know, half that stuff came sharp and half of it, if you banged it together, it'd just get chewed up because it was, you know, it was kind of poorly made stuff. It looked neat, but it, it wasn't very good. And then there was like American fencing supply and they did some kind of really bad bronze castings with epee and foil blades on them, which, you know, just always looked like car antennas to me. They, they didn't represent what a, a rapier was. And I, I'd had some experience with some um, larger blades. And um, so I started making stuff for students, clients, you know, and then the theatrical projects that I was involved in some stage stuff and, and that kind of kept snowballing. You know, and then somebody else said, oh, can you do it? And then can you do it? And can you do it for, you know, project, projects that came after the ones that I, I initially did weapons for? And then I started doing work for um, like L.A. Opera. Um, and uh, that turned into some other things for a lot of theatrical colleges that I did weapons for. Um, and the, the HEMA community, the, the European martial arts community was coming up at that time. It was really developing. And so I started doing um, aluminum training weapons for the HEMA community um, and the stunt industry. And so the stunt industry was using a lot of my stuff. Um, and so basically I got into prop making. Okay. Um, the, the, when people think of props, they think of fake stuff. They think of like rubber swords and things like that. In truth, anything like, like looking behind me here, right? If we were making a movie right now, everything around me here is would be set dressing, right? Okay. Except say, I pick this up and I threaten you with it. Well, I'm interacting with this. That becomes a prop, right? So okay. everything an actor interacts with is a prop. If I pick up a light, a lamp and throw it across the room, it's a prop. If I break a bottle on a table, it's a prop. If I use a glass, it's a prop. If I smoke cigarettes and have a lighter, it's a prop. Those things are all props because I'm interacting as an actor with them. So if this knife needs to do, um, say, multiple things in a production, um, there's a scene where I'm, I'm cutting, you know, cutting a steak or I'm, I'm skinning a deer with this knife, right? Now, that's going to have to be a sharp knife because I'm not going to be able to skin a deer with something that's dull. So that's going to be the, the hero prop, which is a sharp. So that one's a real one. Now, there'll probably be a copy of this knife that's not going to have a sharp edge, but it's probably still going to be metal. So if it's there's close-ups of it, you can see it. There's going to be a stunt version that's probably going to be either aluminum or carbon fiber. That way, when the stunt guys bump and hit each other, they're not mashing each up. And then there's going to be a rubber one for any stunts where somebody has to fall or it's drug across somebody or somebody gets stabbed with it. And back in the day, I used to do collapsibles. Um, and the last ones of those I did was for, uh -oh. uh, what was that? Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder? Yep. Remember that? Yeah. So I did collapsibles for that. When he kills the panda bear, those are my collapsibles. When the kid's on his back stabbing him like that, those are one of my collapsibles. Um, so the prop work I did was all about historical weapons. So primarily bladed weapons, but I also did stuff like catapults and, and trebuchets and 
Yeah, all kinds of crazy things like that. So my, the, huh. so I spent a lot of time studying historical weapons, um, and and trying to replicate them. So when they were seen on television, they they looked better than a lot of the stuff that I grew up watching, which was the, you know, the 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 pirates with the cup. Everybody had a cup filled rapier, with an epee blade on it, which didn't make any sense at all. But you know, huh. but that's what everybody had. So. That, that was that was the prop for the day, so that's what I did before that. And then then uh, when um, what was the show? Deadliest Warrior happened. When Deadliest Warrior happened, I was building the props. I was brought in to build both the historical actual weapons that we were testing, as well as the prop weapons for recreation. So basically, you know, you can't go buy a hungamunga. You can't go buy a Nambe Nulu. You can't, there's so many of these exotic weapons that you just can't go and get. I mean, you might be able to find one in a museum or something, but you're not going to want to take that weapon and then go on a set and mash it up to test how well it works. Right. So, so basically I was hired to make all these exotic weapons, which was fantastic. I mean, a dream job. Um, and after that, then there were a run of shows where I was either on camera or behind the scenes making the weapons for 101 weapons that changed the world, extreme marksman, more extreme marksman. Um, had that did a couple of shows with Arlie Ermey, a couple of the pawn shows I did. I mean, you know, just making all kinds of crazy stuff. Hmm, that's awesome. Um, yeah. We're going to pause for one second, Dave, because Noah can't hear us. So hold on one sec. Yeah. You know, and I'm so happy that it comes like half pre-programmed. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, well, I'd, be, I'd be on the phone with them going, they'd be going, oh, God, Baker, come oh, on. Oh, nice. Just push the red the red button. Cut the black wire. No, push the red. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, guys. We had a little, little technical yeah. difficulty there, but we are back. Um, so we were talking about you making, you know, the differences. Oh, yeah. Those the were for like the last ones I did were for. I cut out right as you were saying you had made some collapsible knives. Yeah. So the, the panda bear killing, those those were my collapsibles. And the uh, when, when the oh, really? kid's on his back stabbing him, that's one of my collapsibles. And I mean, the collapse, nobody, they, nobody really does collapsibles anymore. Um, they're very finicky. That's they, cool. They're, they're super easy to sideload and, and screw up. Um, so most of the time, it, it's all just CG now. I mean, CG so CG so easy that you know. They, yeah. They, I, I funny. Oh. I had a copy of. Um, mm -hmm. Oh my god! What was it? Camelot with uh, with Richard Gere. First night. First night. Last night. Oh, that's an old one. Yeah. Where they're all in blue. Um, Sean Connery. Yeah. So, right. So the, so I had, I had a, a, a weird copy of that where the format yeah. had been oh. blown up. I... And when Richard Gere is fighting the last fight, he's swinging the sword and it comes into frame three or four times. The blade's only this long. <laughs> Cause they had CG'd on all the blade stuff. So yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just like yeah, about four that was, inches. That of, was actually going to be my question. It was like, so you just CG holding the like a hilt, and then they CGI did the a lot of that on, on Lord of the Rings as well. So. Nice. That's um, cool. 
<laughs> did, officially did no. Um, Any some part stunt of the, guys of the went down there from from California, and they took some of my uh, aluminums down there. And I got a call from the the, the lead sword guy down there. I can't remember Terry Terry English was it? I can't remember. Um, anyway, they I, I arranged for for them to get a, a some of the aluminum that I use, which was different stuff than they had down there. It's a harder yeah. aluminum. So that that's my big Lord of the Rings contribution. Sheet aluminum. Other than that, no, I, I I did not. It would have been it would have been a lot of fun to go down there. But, okay, uh, all right, but it was not in the cards. Yeah, I bet. the the sword making for those movies is incredible. I remember I've I'm a huge Lord of the Rings nerd and. Uh, I, I've watched all the the behind the scenes footage where they were talking about the different sword making, and the one thing that I thought was odd was there was one part, and this has been years since I've seen this, so I might not be remembering correctly, but there was something about when the actors were you know actually hitting the swords in the sword fights, they were having issues where they would they were jarring their hands and breaking, or or just jarring their hands, maybe not breaking, but they uh, used some sort of a no, a polyurethane but I mean, collar or something uh... like that to absorb shock. I've worked with like actors who were so into um, the entire idea of being able to do a sword fight on film that they trained their asses off and, and did amazing stuff. Um, I've also worked with actors that, that uh, complained because the button on whatever prop they had was too sharp. And, yeah, it hurts my finger. So... <laughs> When a really big dude goes, yeah, but every time I hurt push this, it hurts my finger. You're like, I'll take care of it, big guy. Not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, the one thing that, I, that I've, I've heard a lot of is in the filming of those movies was, you know, the stunt guys are supposed to go through and just kind of, you know, swing and, you know, not, not do it too hard. And apparently a lot of them got into it so, so fast so much that they were Adrenaline's just full-on blows up thing. against, you know, armor and just beating you know, the crap out of each on, other. On, on stage and and on screen uh, mm. with swords. Um, there's nothing like that moment you look into your partner's eyes and you just, there's nothing there. You see a guy who's who's has forgotten any and all choreography and he's just about to swing at your head and you're less <laughs> like, oh shit, here we go. I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's the thing. I mean, if, if you're going to do that kind of work, if you're going to get into, <laughs> you want to get into stunt work and all that stuff, if you're going to do any kind of sword work, you need to learn actually how to do it um, in a defensive manner because there will come a time when you got to defend yourself um, where somebody screws up the choreography and they zig when they should have zagged and uh, uh, you can get popped. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm missing the tooth over here. <laughs> getting clogged. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I've got I've got some pretty good scars from getting stabbed um, with with theatrical swords, and uh, uh, you know, and and of course I did a lot of stuff on horseback too. So you know, add that to the to another level. So you know, you, you throw you throw a horse in the mix, and Half the time, the horses are smarter than the guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I know I'm going to catch shit. I'm going to get a phone call now. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, what, what I'm saying is a lot of the oh, we, lot get, of the we, time, we get messages the, about the, the stuff that we say out here all the time. So are so yeah, well yeah, trained for the for what you're using them to do 
that they'll do it without you. I mean, you know, if you fell off, they'd still run the course and come back to where they were supposed mm-hmm. to be. And then look at you. Like if you ever get a double take from a horse, you know, the slow burn from a horse is the worst. <laughs> They're looking at you on the dirt and you're like, you're brilliant. You're supposed to be up here. Dude. <laughs> Saddle, not, not dirt. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a neat thing. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I had, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, Anthony Delongis. Um, nope. He's really, he's more known for his whip work than anything else. Um, I don't believe movie so. wise in Roadhouse, he's the guy with the knife in his boot. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So Anthony's an actor, stunt performer, uh, uh, sword master, oh. and, and okay, really known for the whip. But Anthony and I had the, the opportunity to work together a lot. Um, but uh, I got the opportunity to help him train up a bunch of his horses, and and the horses were were great on set and every once in a while you'd put an actor on the horses and the actor would say, well, the horse is doing this. And you say, no, 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 no. <laughs> the horse is doing, you're telling the horse to do what it's doing. The horse is doing what it's supposed to do. It's listening to you. So stop talking wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's, it's a, I mean, it, like it's an amazing industry to be involved in. I'm, I'm grateful for all the, oh, that the makes crazy opportunity. I mean, crazy opportunities i've had to do stuff i mean in, in 19 or in 20 what was it um 2001 um the the week before the the twin towers uh i was on set in uh new york at lincoln center inside a sculpture of missy elliott's head <laughs> the video for the and the video music awards. I was inside driving this what? thing, making the eyes go back and forth, making the the jaw open, the smoke come out. I got Nelly Furtada sitting next to me, and Ludacris is down the stairs in the back. Yeah, so having opportunities, I, I know having opportunities like that are crazy. Um, but but I've been uh, lucky enough to be in the right place and have the right skill set to do the the things that that put me in those positions i mean i was i, I got to be part of uh, uh when johnny depp did um hunter s thompson's funeral um uh, out at al farm in, in aspen i was the uh, site liaison for the, the set team that built the monument so it's oh, six well, weeks in six weeks in aspen building a giant monument oh, wow. to you know for hunter s thompson's funeral were you there when they shot the ashes yeah. off? Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we actually drank Hunter because he the ashes came down and landed in all our drinks. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so uh, Hunter S. Thompson and me and everybody else awesome. was at that party. He was but, yeah, a legend. I mean, those, those, yeah, he was. I mean, unfortunately, I think he was trapped by his legend mm-hmm. uh, in later years. I think that's what ate him up. Yeah, what do they say? All all brilliance is accompanied with torture, or something along those lines. I think it's like it's like, um, oh, I don't know who's the rock guy with the top hat. Slash is it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's still wearing that fucking top hat. Come on, dude. Mm. <laughs> Charge for Guns and Roses. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's like it's like the guys from Kiss with all their <laughs> wigs. It's like, come on, guys. It's like it's time. Let it go. Eighty Move years on. on. 
still painting on the makeup. I mean, yeah, yeah, and and mm. and I get it, and that's a character that I think those guys are really good at playing those characters. Um, I think other people find that character and then get stuck in it for life, where the, it's no longer a character; it's it's who they are. Um, and and uh, I think mm. one of the the drawbacks that a lot of us men have is that we we remember our best day right mm-hmm. you know i looked i was that day i was cool and unfortunately a lot of guys will yes. dress the same as that best day for the rest of their lives i mean if your best day was like in 1984 you really just don't want to dress that way anymore it's just it's a bad thing you know change it up i mean if you're in well, it can it, it can become a mind it can become a mindset well, as well. You know, you you had you know it's that uh, you know your, your best like day, and then you judge yourself according that, to that best day ego from then and, on. And uh, machismo and all these things tied up in the self image, as opposed to just just waking up and doing the best you can do that day. Um, you know, it's one of the things I love about the the, the beat the judges competitions. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't pick what we're going to do. You, you walk out there to do a competition. You've got out eight hours to make the best thing you can make in eight hours. Now, what the other guy does doesn't matter. I mean, because nothing he does is going to affect anything you do unless you start watching him. Right. Or worrying about what he's doing or try to copy what he's doing because you think it's better than what you're doing. And then you're off the rails and you're dead anyway. So it, it's that idea of... of you know, what's the best I can do with what I have right now to get things done? You guys just faded. Is that me or? I don't know. Yeah, I see yeah. you. Hang on just a half second, Mike. I don't know. Everything's oh, looking good right here. Go off. My cable here is covered in metal dust. There we go. Oh, we do. My laptop takes a beating. It lives in yeah. my shop. Oh, we understand Unfortunately, that. Unfortunately, the power cable on this thing is is uh, is magnetic. So every time I get in the shop, it like sucks up all the metal filings and then just oh, says, yeah. I'm not going to play anymore. <laughs> uh, no, I have a, what is this thing? It's a Surface. Do you, do you have a Mac? I'm, I'm not an Apple guy. I'm not an Apple guy. Apple's too prioritary. It, it Gets into rules oh, again. Okay. We go back yep. down the rules. Same, same, same type of deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to join. I don't want to be part of your. Oh thing. yeah, there we go. So, yep. Yeah. Same thing. Right. It's a mental problem. But... <laughs> All yeah. right. Well, let's, let's close out the show with how do, uh, how do we get, how do you guys feel about playing a silly game, game here? Yeah. <laughs> right, nope, no truth or dare. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Get ready to play. Where in the world is Florida Man? Wait, I don't even know what the rules are. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and explain uh, which, here. Because, which Florida uh, Man story? A good friend of mine. You, you've heard of the classic Florida, Florida Man story, I'm sure, Florida right? In <laughs> ah, 
Well, here here on this show, gotcha. the the Florida man is sort of legendary for some of the stupidest things that anyone could ever do on the planet, and it just so happens that most of those stupid things happen in Florida, and uh, so we take a selection of news stories, and you, Ryan, and all the the lovely listeners at home get to guess whether this truly was a Florida man or if this happened somewhere else in the world. That's why it's called Where in the World is Florida Man. So I got three stories in front of me. I'm going to read right. the, the headline and then just kind of the, the highlights of the story. And you guys get to guess. We begin. Three-legged bear breaks into home, drinks three white claws. A three-legged bear known locally as Tripod was caught on camera breaking into a home over the weekend and helping itself to some snacks and adult beverages. The homeowner told the news station that Tripod had some fish food that was left next to their fish tank and then proceeded to the bar. Quote, he took three White Claws, drank, <laughs> and left very happy. His flav- favorite flavor is mango and strawberry. Do you oh, believe man, that this that sounds bear like a Colorado Montana story to me? Somewhere so. else. I'm going to say not mm. Florida. Do I have to say where in the world, or is it is it Florida or not Florida? Okay, I, I'm going to say on this one, not Florida. No, no, no. It, White claws, very Florida. It's a binary choice. They it's say, Florida or not? Was it a black bear? Did they say what kind of bear it was? Okay. Oh, see, I didn't even go for. <laughs> well, that I'll tell you, but it's not going to yeah, help very true. much because it was a black. I'm going to go with the guest. I'm going to agree. There with aren't too many states, Mr. In this Baker, that, that it is bears. not Florida. Yeah. Uh, Final answer. <laughs> That's absolutely Florida. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're talking about a bear drinking white claws? Come on, man. Or, or, I know. I know there was trailer. no meth involved, no, so said, it wasn't like maybe <laughs> if I had said that the bear had gotten climbed into the, into the double know, wide and broke into the fish food. Yeah. Sorry, there we Florida. Go. Sorry, my sister. My sister and brother-in-law live in Florida. My mom's in Florida. Hello, Florida. Hello, Sorry, Florida. I think it was yes. technically a double white. I, maybe I should have mentioned that. Oh, we got right, we got go tons of Florida listeners, and and they uh, they really enjoy this segment. Let me tell you. Uh, next next up, Bird Bandit wanted after robbing victim at knife point while parrots sat on hat. Police are searching for a man who brought his parrot companions along while he allegedly robbed a victim at knife point inside McDonald's on Tuesday man, with I, two parrots on the that, brim that of his cowboy like hat Florida and a third me, but... on his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, I think it does too. Do they wear? I might know the guy. <laughs> are cowboy hats a thing in Florida? What's his, what's his name? John. I'm just. Yeah, I just. No, yeah, I'm gonna go Florida on that one. Uh, he's, he's, he's currently, uh, unnamed. They, they, they distributed his mm. photo to try and identify the parrot man. Actually. Gonna... Um, so I don't Do know. They wear name. cowboy hats in Florida. Ryan, what I are you know. thinking? The, he's just something about the cowboy ones, hat. What, you know, what are you thinking there? The ones with the wire in the brim and they roll them up too tight. Uh, the ones that Each they look... puka, shell, puka shells around the thing. Yeah. <laughs> they look like old timey wigs every day. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go just so one of us gets it right. I'm going to go not Florida. Virginia, Ooh. my home state. Oh, All wow. Right. The answer is. Oh, Virginia, Virginia. guy. Well, 
Yep. Uh, sorry, guys. Yes, that one was courtesy of Minuteman Forge. Thank you very much, sir, for your contribution to the show. Lastly, we have Man Robbed Bank using the back of his birth certificate <laughs> as the note to tell her while wearing an ankle monitor from another case. Oh, uh, well, no, no, go ahead. It's not the same. A man has pleaded guilty. What's that? Okay. A uh, man has pleaded guilty to robbing a local Bank of America uh, using a demand note written on the back of his own birth certificate and while he was wearing an ankle monitor rela related to a previous case. That device Florida. easily placed him at the scene, yeah. according to court paperwork. I'm going paperwork. forward on that one. Yeah. 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 Oh, Missouri? wow. All right. Final answer? Missouri. Yeah, because I just I yeah, read one. Recently, I knew I knew I was going to get you guys on that one because that's the most Florida thing that I've ever heard. And uh, robbed the place where they ate on a regular basis, and they were both wearing ankle monitors, <laughs> and were in a stolen car that the low jack had was on. So it's like I mean they they just <laughs> followed these guys until they parked. Uh, that one was sent in. Um, honestly, I, I can't even remember who sent that in to me, so I'm really sorry, but it was probably Brian Hunt because he's the guy that sends me the most of these. So shout out to uh, Brian Hunt at Hidden Rose Forge for always contributing to the show. We appreciate you. So we're about an hour in. What do you say we move over to the after show much. now? That's Florida, man. I think okay. we should, but I have one last question that I think wasn't the majority me. of I wasn't of even listeners the need to, the to time. hear it the was, answer on. I mean, the guy okay. looked like me, but this might be nothing. This might be the, and, the uh, most important. You can contact my lawyer. Um, now go ahead. Fire it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Most important question here. Um, your most distinguishing feature, at least in my mind, is the glorious mustache that graces your oh, face. Man. And I just got to so, know, okay, when the, did that start? The and, mustache and, and, and the stinger go way back. What um, was, I mean, the, the, I, the beginning it, of this. It had to be, geez, late 80s, which was so out of fashion at the time. Um, I, I was performing at Ren Fairs. Uh, I used to do a, I used to do a traveling two guy comedy sword fight Ren Fair show. Oh, way back in the day. Um, and, and I grew the mustache and, and this little guy and it's, it's been on and off. I mean, you know, and then nice. I grew a full beard and, but yeah, I, I, I haven't seen my, uh, there's, there was like one month where my upper lip was exposed in the past 30 years. My son looked at me, and I think he cried, and then I grew it back. So. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've worn one forever, and, and uh, you know, I've certainly that is been fantastic. I love that. I as the Kentucky Fried Chicken guy, and, and the, <laughs> when I'm wearing a vest and 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 my uh, you know, a watch chain, the, the snowman from uh, uh, Rudolph. Rudolph yeah, the the Norelco no man. Um, yeah, you know, I, I get all that shit. I mean, I, I get, I get. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. It, 
I think, again, uh, as, as adult males, um, the, society has let us slide a lot in that uh, when I was a kid, if you were flying on a plane, you got dressed up flying on a plane. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about you getting dressed up. It was about you respecting the people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last long flight the light I was on, uh, you know, I was sitting next to a, a, a girl in pajamas mm-hmm. and, and her boyfriend in sweats with his shoes off. Um, you know, if I wanted Gross. to be in their living room, that's cool, but I'm not in their living room. I'm on, I'm on a plane with them. And uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I try to when I go somewhere that's nice, I try to uh, put myself together enough that I look nice. Um, not to necessarily draw tr- attention to myself, but to, to respect the people around me. Um, you know, that doesn't mean I don't go to the, the hamburger joint down here in Kilmarnock, you know, when I'm sweaty and working and dirty, it happens. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to go somewhere nice, I'm, yeah, you bet I'm going to put on a clean shirt at least. Um, and then, you know, if I'm, if I'm going somebody, somewhere with somebody, I'll put more work into it. So, yes. you know, you would get along with, You'd get along good with Noah's wife. She told him he was underdressed for this podcast. <laughs> well, again, it's it's one of those things that it's not always about. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's an important thing to understand that it's it's not always about you. Um, you know, it's not always about me. It's not always about. Uh, it, it's oftentimes just about being polite Amen. to people who are around you. And if you're yeah. going to a nice restaurant, well, put on you. Know, put on a freaking clean shirt. I mean, just that, you know, goes a long way. I can't, you know, the lack I was in, yeah, it was in New York somewhere really nice. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the, the table next to me was, you know, cargo shorts and t-shirts, you know, and I, I get it. Comfort's a great thing, but it, at the same time, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I'll, I'll actually go somewhere with a dress code if I want you know, to, to go out somewhere nice. I, I have no problem going to a place that has a sign that says you must wear a tie. Fine. Put one on, you know, clean your shit up for a day. And I'll tell you, <laughs> if you're in a relationship, it's probably going to be uh, appreciated quite a bit. So, yeah. Absolutely. Man, it, it, yeah, I'd say it, the, the art of, of being a goes a long way in how uh, you're in treated as well as how been, you treat people. Been lost. I mean, don't get me wrong. I make mistakes all the time. I, I've, you know, famously uh, uh, blown up at the wrong time. Um, and and uh, I'm as guilty as anybody else, but but I try to work on it. And I think it's one of those things. It's 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 so easy to be polite. It takes nothing to be polite. I mean, it, it's it takes it takes more actually to, to hmm. maintain anger than it does to say thank you to somebody. You know, yeah, hold the sure. door for somebody, say thanks, get you know, stand up so somebody can get by you as opposed to Absolutely. complaining about it. I say, you know, it, it's the little things like that, and and I think the more people who do it, the more people contribute to things like that, the 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 nicer will all a nicer time will be had by all. If you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. Yes. So- society, the society that you want to see starts yeah. with you and taking the time to, you know, 
like you say, just oh, be no, polite, no. be gentle. And, and there, there is, are people who not, complain about you being gentlemanly not, if you're being gentle. It's not gone. You know, um, there, there are people so, out there. Yeah. So, so again, decide who you want to be and well, be that person about everything. as often as you can possibly be that person. Um, you know, I think that, that, that again, as, as adult men, it's a choice. We can Absolutely. all be up in each other's face being macho and stupid, or we can, you know, be buying each other beer and laughing and having a good time. Of course. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that, that, my upper lip doesn't move. So it's really God intended it. It's weird. <laughs> yes. I, when, uh, so I was, I was talking with, um, Rodney JP, uh, I think is sharp carpenter. Uh, um, Rodney, uh, uh, Ryan, remember me. What's his last name? Anyways, Rodney, the sharp carpenter on Instagram. He, I was really hoping to, to meet him in person at blade. And we were talking about how he didn't show up or he wasn't able to make it. And I was saying that I was really grateful for that <laughs> because aside from you, he's the only well, other person on this planet that can put my mustache to shame. Um, right. his, I mean, it's, oh, is he the one, it's, it's is the curls that come up all the way to his eyes the, almost. He's got the curls just right. Okay. And so I, I was, a, I was, okay. there's a guy in the, the, I can't remember what he does. Oh, I don't think it's got, that, he's got that a, extravagant, but one. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was doing mine for the yeah, longest man, time and letting it's it a lot of wax. pretty long. Really and, gotta, and then it just got to be a lot of training. I mean, this, this is about where I like it. So this is comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, but it's a comfortable length. Yeah. All right. Well, now we've gotten the gotten the important questions out of the way. We've, All right. We've good. learned about the mustache, and uh, we got uh, we got an after oh, show to get to. So we really appreciate you know, all you guys always, listening. Always, always and, uh, around Dave, to, to so share information show, in this industry, and and get uh, as many people uh, as we can motivated to make stuff. I mean, that's what it's about. If we can. If we can all keep making things, uh, again, it's a, it's a better world when it's not disposable. Yeah, you were very approachable. I you were actually the easiest booking we made at Blade Absolutely. Show. I just walked up oh. to you and I said, "I'm going to forcibly introduce myself, and will you please be on my podcast?" And you said, "Sure." Here's my phone number. So I usually just check and make <laughs> That's sure that something's either not political or not uh, religious, you know, it's like everybody's welcome to their opinion. Uh, I'm not going to change anybody's mind. So I don't want to get into yeah. the arguments. <laughs> we don't, I don't want to talk about that at all. <laughs> it's not exactly. fun. Nobody wants to listen to that shit. We have to listen to it all day, all every time. day. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. I got I got I got a shrimp boil. I got to get to. So yeah, I got, I got cold show... beer and hot shrimp waiting for me. So, <laughs> all right guys all right well you talk to sounds good all right well thank all of you guys for listening everybody have a great week ryan play us out bye